All right, if you turn in your Bibles to James chapter 4, we're going to be doing the whole thing. James chapter 4. So we had the uh, youth event last night, and uh, that was really awesome. It was really like exciting to see some more youth in the church. It really, um, it really got me excited. I like, to, I like to minister to these kids, and uh, it got me excited to preach today, so I'm excited to preach. So, James chapter 4, if you guys got it. James chapter 4. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is enmity with God. Do ye think that the scripture saith in vain, The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he gives more grace, but wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother, and judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law, and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and that vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live, and do this or not. But now ye rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him that is sent. So there's a lot there. Um, um, last week, like my dad, I uh, like preached on James 3, and we're doing a series on James. Um, this chapter, it's, um, in my Bible, on the footnotes, it says, um, a worldliness, its cause, its consequences, its cure, its characteristics. And um, now first I want to talk about what the enemy like wants us to do, is not have us like submitted to God and the will of God. But the enemy's goal is to have us divided like against each other, like in the body of Christ. When we go back and we look at the early churches, um, you discover that they had like their share of disagreements. Um, the members of the Corinth church were competing with each other um, in public meetings and even suing each other in court. Um, that can be found in, um, in 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 8, and 1 Corinthians 14, 23 through 40. Um, the Galatian believers were biting and devouring one another. Um, that's a little extreme. 
Paul had to admonish the Ephesians to cultivate spiritual unity. Now, that scripture can be found in um, Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. That's Paul talking about spiritual unity. Um, now, God's goal for us as the body of Christ is to have us working together in unity and in love. Now, in Psalm 133, verse 1, it says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for a brethren to dwell together in unity. So that's God's goal, to have us in unity and love. And the enemy's goal is to have us divided and fighting with each other. Now, one of the reasons that we fight with each other is because of our lust. Now, just like in the Garden of Eden, the whole basis for sin was that Eve lusted and she desired to be like God. Now, in Genesis 3.6, it says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband. Thanks, Eve. <laughs> so, um, what is lust? Now, lust, lust doesn't just mean, like, sexual lust. It can mean, um, I looked up on Merriam-Webster, um, it says, an intense longing or a craving. Now, like I said, that's not just sexual. And in 1 John 2, um, 16 through 17, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of the Father abideth forever. So, lust of the flesh, that's what we feel like doing. Lust of the eyes, that's what we see on the surface. We don't really know what it is, but we think we want it. Pride of life, me thinking that I don't need God or anyone else to tell me how to live my life. Now, we try to live in the world, and uh, we try to partake in the things in the world, and we lust after the things that are in the world. Now, we had a, oh, we had a, like a video um, like a couple weeks ago. It was about like a furniture maker. And the furniture maker, um, like he made furniture for 18 years, and uh, he loved like furniture making. He got into all like the magazines and everything. And, um, and when the guy asked him, um, like, have you ever like actually made a piece of furniture? He goes, well, no, I just love like furniture making. Now with that, we need to be doing the will of the Father instead of an idea of what we think the will of God is. And that's what like, that's kind of what the furniture maker was doing. He thought that he was doing what like furniture making was, but he just had an idea of it like in his head. So what that like scripture was saying is if we do the will of the Father, we will abide forever and constantly abiding with God in the word, believing and agreeing with the word, it helps us with our lust. Now, um, in James 4 verse 3, um, it says, um, that we were asking God out of the wrong motives. We ask him out of the lust in our wicked heart. Now, God's not going to give you something, even if it's good, when he knows you will use it for your lustful desires. Good things can still be used to knock you down. Even, even scripture, even the word of God. Now, with me, I have had a tendency to dive so deep into scripture, but not deep like to the point of like listening to the voice of the Lord, I dive into the surface of what the scripture says in like, in like theology and doctrine. 
That's where we need to be as a child and have childlike faith and submit to the Lord in childlike submission. Now, like to be like a child, that's like receptive in that you yield like, like, um, like to the voice of the Lord and you don't intellectualize like the Word of God. Now, um, friendship with the world. That's what it talks about in verse 4 through 6. Why do we, like, why do we have friendship with the world and why do we like, flirt with the world? Friendship with the world is enmity with God. That's what that scripture is saying. Now, I'm not saying don't be friends with sinners because we're all sinners. We've all like, done something to grieve the heart of God. But 1 John 2.15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, that's pretty harsh. That's what the Bible says. Um, we get involved gradually. It's very, like it can happen small. Um, like friendship with the world, like it talked about like in those verses. But this results in us being spotted by the world. Now in James 1.27, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, to keep himself unspotted before the world. Unspotted before the world. So the areas of our lives meet the approval with the world, and friendship leads to loving the world. In 1 John 2, 15 through 17, I just read 15, but um, 16 and 17, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, like I read earlier. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of the Father abide forever. Now this makes it easy to conform to the world when we're loving the world and we're in you know, like friendship with the world. In Romans 12, 2, like, be not, uh, it's be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We all know that scripture. Um, now this results in us being condemned with the world. Now the Lord doesn't want us to be condemned with the world. We're, like, we're set apart, like we're chosen by God, as like the children of God. Um, and 1 Corinthians 11.32 says, But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. So the Lord doesn't want us condemned. If anything, so if the world asks you like to do something, if it's contrary to the word of God, flee from it. Your example of faithfulness in the word of God will make an impression on the world. He gives grace to the humble. Be ready to hear from God through his word, childlike submission, not always intellectualizing the word and the spirit of God, and we must be ready to live a life with Jesus at the forefront. Not the things we want, not our lusts. Pride is very comfortable. Dropping pride is very uncomfortable. Now, one of the reasons that we don't submit to the will of God and the Spirit of God and the Word is we start to rationalize like our sin. We start to, you know, like make excuses for it or we try to um, like intellectualize like the Word. But uh, the Word of God is holy. And what the Word says, it's what the Word says. And a submission to God equals victory over the enemy. So the opposite of pride is submission. So that, uh, that one scripture says, 
um, that I just read earlier. Submit to God, then resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, that says submit first. We have a messed up, like I know like a lot of like people, we have a messed up view of submission. We think we can resist the devil on our own. We can't resist the devil on our own. We have no power in ourselves without the Spirit of God, without like Jesus Christ in us. God is the only one who can help us with that. So how do we get submitted? How then do we get submitted? We draw nigh, like the scripture says, we draw nigh to him. A person who is truly in the will of God has come to a place of having pride crushed before God and is submitted. Now the double-minded are prideful and don't know what their true identity is. Like Eve, like with Eve, she doubted her true identity and she didn't know who she was in the image of God. That's the whole basis of sin. That's the whole basis of pride. If we knew our true identity, we wouldn't have any room for pride or doubt in our lives. If you truly knew your, who you were in the image of God, you wouldn't have any pride or doubt. We would know our position in the kingdom of God. Now, Adam and Eve walked and talked with God for a hundred years probably before the fall. That's what like, a lot of like, scholars say. Um, this shows me that having pride and doubt is very easy. Adam and Eve walked and talked with God for like, like hundreds of years. They had firsthand knowledge from God, but they still doubted who they were in the image of God. Now, how easy it is for us like, to fall into pride and doubt. Like we don't even have... Like, we're not, like, walking and talking with God. But that makes it so we need to be in the Word more so we are submitted to God. Now, someone who is, like, submitted to God and the Spirit of God is near to the heart of God. They're cleansed and they have purified hearts if you're fully submitted to the Spirit of God. Now, Americans, or just people in general, um, are so worried about their outer appearance that we forget who we are in the image of God. We're so worried about our like image with the world and our outer appearance. James using um, James used an example in chapter two of not showing favoritism based on outward appearance. I mean that's a really good rule to follow because um, external appearance isn't always a good indicator of character. Now, like my mom always says, we can't judge a book by its cover. You can't like judge somebody like like based on like their outward appearance or something that they did. That's not who they are. Be humble enough that the fact of sin or the severity of sin grieves your heart. Now, in James 4, 9, um, I have this, I think it's amplified. Um, I wanted to read this verse out of the amplified because I really like it. Um, it says, Be miserable and grieve and weep over your sin, let your foolish laughter be turned into mourning and your reckless laughter be, tuned, be turned into gloom. So sin grieves the heart of God, so it should grieve our heart. And to start to overcome sin, we have to start with hating our sin. When we have a humble heart and we're submitted, then sin grieves us. When we fail to see sin in our lives, then we stop relying on God. Now, I've, 
All of us have done this. I've done this many times. And it's caused all-out destruction in my life. All-out just bad stuff. <laughs> and it starts really, really small. The enemy can use um, like a tiny like compliment. Like someone can walk up to you, hey, I love your outfit. And this happens to me all the time. And it goes to my head, <laughs> obviously. But in that, it makes you think that you're higher than everyone else. And that's not like what God is telling us like to do. Like he wants us all as equals because we all are equals. Or the enemy will use a small comfort for us to escape to. Small comfort. And this gets you to think like you're God. Now, be a doer and not a judge. In verses 11 through 12, um, there's a difference in calling out sin in the body of Christ and judging or speaking evil. You are then a judge of the law, not a doer, but a judge. We as Christians still need to have standards and call sin, sin. Now, um, I got some stuff out of um, like Warren Wiersbe's uh, commentary on this. Um, it talks about personal wars here. It says, Are the saints were speaking evil one of another and judging one another? Here again, we see the wrong use for the tongue. Christians are su supposed to speak truth in love. Like I said in Ephesians 4.15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. They are not to speak evil in a spirit of rivalry and criticism. If the truth about a brother is harmful, then we should cover it in love and not repeat it. In 1 Peter 4.8, says, and above all things, have fervent charity, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Charity shall cover the multitude of sins. If he has sinned, we should go to him personally and try to win him back. Like in Galatians 6, it says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So James wasn't like forbidding us to evaluate people. Obviously, we still need to have discernment and speak out sin like, like when we see it. But um, in, in Philippians 1, 9-10, it says, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and all judgment that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. So we can't act like, you know, like God is passing judgment. Um, we have to examine our own lives and then try to help others. Um, like in Matthew 7, like 1 through 5, it says, Judge not that ye have, are not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye, ye meet, it, sh it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in your brother's eyes, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. So, we never know all the facts, 
in a case, and we certainly never know the motives that are in work, like in the work in men's hearts. Um, that's why we have to leave the judging up to God. He's a holy judge. He is patient and understanding, and his judgments are just and holy. We, like, we just have to give it to him. So, um, verse, uh, verses uh, 13 to 14 in James 4. Um, we make plans for our lives, and uh, we try to figure out our lives. We never know when our lives are going to end. We never know what is going to happen in life. So, since life is so unpredictable, James directs us to live according to the will of God, the author and creator of your life and the universe. So if our life is so small, Amos says it is but a vapor, shouldn't we give our lives to him? Now, now before we do anything, we should ask ourselves these questions. And I try to ask myself these questions. Um, my parents have tried to teach me to ask myself these questions whenever I'm going to do something. Now, the first one is, is what I'm doing glorifying the Lord? Is what I'm doing glorifying the Lord? That's one. Does what I'm doing have any eternal value whatsoever? Number three, is this helping me in my daily walk and bettering myself for the furtherance of the gospel? Now, my mom always says, be careful what goes in your mind. Garbage in, garbage out. What you put in your mind is going to have an effect on what you speak to anyone else or speak out of your mouth. So the choices we make, no matter how small, will affect us in some way or hurt others. Now, still delight in the blessings of the Lord, but if it's not glorifying the Lord, just don't do it. So we constantly, if we constantly like fill our minds with Scripture and the Word of God, we can further the gospel and glorify God. Now, as believers, we all spread the gospel, and he's called each of us as believers, working together as the body of Christ, to do that. So, um, in verses 16 through 17 in James 4, I want to talk about that a little more. Um, Charles Spurgeon says, there are, uh, there are sins of omission as well as commission. May the Lord graciously keep us from both forms of evil for his dear son's sake. Amen. So, Commission and omission. Now, commission means sins that are proactively done, like lying or stealing, and omission, or sin that takes place because of not doing something that is right, like uh, not praying, like not standing up for what's right in the sight of the Lord, um, and not sharing Christ. Now, we all fall into these sins. Like I said, we're all sinners. I've done this. You've done this. We all do it. But we have to give it. We have to give it to the Lord, so He can take care of it. Drop it at the cross. Stop holding on to it. Just give it to the Lord. Like He, He doesn't want us like to fight with each other. Like He doesn't want us to uh, like fight with like anyone. But how do we know that we that we are truly submitted? Um, a couple things. We gain godly wisdom rather than knowledge, or than worldly knowledge. It's like with Scripture. 
Um, if you aren't a good Christian, or you aren't a good Christian if you know and read more of the Bible. You just aren't. Um, like I said, I do this. Like I thought that like if I read the whole Bible, which I've never done before, I've never read the whole Bible all the way through, um, I thought that if you gain knowledge, then it's going to like help you like be a better Christian. But some people just like reading and gaining knowledge. In the application of Scripture, growth happens, not the knowledge of it. Let me say that again. In the application of Scripture, growth happens, not the knowledge of it. Now, what's another thing? You bear fruit in your life. What is fruit? Um, among the number of Hebrew words for fruit, fruit producing is peri to bear fruit, be fruitful. The basic Greek word for fruit is karpov. Used literally of fruit, offspring, and figuratively of the consequence of physical, mental, or spiritual action. Now there are some Hebrew words I do not know how to pronounce in here. Karpoa, yeah, means to bear fruit or crops and figuratively bear fruit in the heart. Luke 8, 15. But that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. And a carpo means fruitless as of unproductive, ungenerate lives. In Matthew 13, 22, it talks about this. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. We don't want to do that. <laughs> and physical fruits and their spiritual application in the original creation, God commanded the land to produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds, like it says in Genesis 1.11. Scripture refers to a number of the Near East plants, trees and bushes and spices to teach or enhance a spiritual lesson. The grain that seeds are sown, like in Matthew, um, like, uh, it's Matthew 13, 1 through 9. I'm not going to read that. That's a lot, but... Um, uh, the fig tree was cursed in Matthew 21, 18 through 22. The grapevine likened to God, or uh, the grapevine likened to God's people in Jeremiah 2:21 and in John 15, 1 through 7. To make the spiritual point that God's disobedient people needed his mercy and saving power to heal them. To make the spiritual point that God's disobedient people needed his mercy and saving power to heal them. Jeremiah effectually refers to the healing effect of the balm or gum oil of a well-known bush or small tree in the Gilead. Now, knowing all this, knowing how to be submitted, we, oh, we gain godly wisdom, like rather than knowledge, we bear fruit. So stop fighting with each other. Like stop fighting with fellow Christians. You don't know where they're at. You only know where you're at. Stop having friendship with the world. Submit to God and yield to the Holy Spirit and yield to His Word. Now, um, 
I want to use this scripture because it's, it's one of my favorite scriptures, and it really has helped me. Um, and it says, And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to, to deliver thee. I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. If we submit to God, and we give everything to him at the foot of the cross, he's going to deliver us from the things that like, entangle our lives. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for these people in here. I thank you that um, they have come in here like wanting to learn the word and wanting to worship you. I thank you. I thank you for this church and um, I thank you for everything that this church is doing. All the youth is very exciting and we thank you, like once again, Lord, for everything that you're trying to do in our lives. And um, we ask for you to help us. We ask for you to help us to, admit, uh, to like submit to your word and to submit to your authority. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. God bless you.